0: all in people's business in people's but with a loving, business, heart. And a loving heart and let's jump in and let's jump in What's up, beautiful people? It's your girl Marquita G, and we are back for another podcast episode this week. I am so happy to be back. I am back from vacation and getting my life together, and I can't wait to catch up with you guys on a personal level because you know I'll be sharing all of my business on here. Um, But this week is different. I have a special guest, Dr. Ashley, is joining us for the podcast, and she is a therapist out of DC. So if you're in DC and you're looking for a therapist please look up dr ashley aka dr vivid um her practice is vivid innovations consulting llc and she's been practicing for 10 plus years like i said in the washington dc area she specializes in lifestyle and lifestyle sorry in wellness coaching also professional development so make sure you listen through, you like what you hear, which I think you will. Um, make sure if you're in the area and um, you're seeking therapy to so please check out Dr. Ashley. So I'm going to throw it over to her in this interview. So get your notes ready because this is a action-packed episode um, with some practical steps. So make sure that you share this out with anybody who may be dealing with anything. And um, like I always say, like, just trust yourself in the process. All right, let's jump in. Welcome back to Marquita in Your Business, the podcast, all things transition and growth. And today we have a special guest. I know you guys have been hearing me solo dolo for a little bit, but we're bringing back guests this week and I have Dr. Ashley here, aka Dr. Vivit. Um, So thank you for joining me for the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. So I just met you, well, virtually yesterday, and we're just seeing each other um, here as we do this interview um, for the first time. But what stuck out for me um, in our clubhouse room where I met you is that you're from D.C. (laughs) Yes. So I'm from Anacostia originally. Um, I live in Atlanta now. I lived in LA. And so we we got things to talk about. Okay. all things. <laughs> so I am just so grateful to you for coming on here. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the front line this past crazy panoramic <laughs> pandemic because I know y'all have been getting hit hard. I'm in therapy right now. I have a black woman therapist here in Atlanta that is the bomb. Yes. Com. Um, and so I'm just always, um, telling my audience about therapy and mental health advocacy and just journaling and wellness and just trying to break the stigma so I'm just so grateful to have somebody who's a doctor who you (laughs) know can tell a little bit more than I can I can only go from my experience so thank you so much again for your service and being here so could you tell us how you got started what made you go into this field of work and what you're doing right now
1: no, not a problem. Um, I got started because I am an 80s baby. I was born in D.C. in 1987 um, to a, <laughs> yes, to a young mom. My mom was 18, 19 when she had me, and I was born at the height of the crack epidemic. And as a result, when I was younger, I saw a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen And was exposed to the ills of DC when crack and also this awakening um, as a result of racial tension was at an all time high in the country and specifically in the city. So as a result of me experiencing some other traumas as well, I have an abuse history. Um, My mother put me in therapy at four. And that was always mind-blowing to me, and I'm ever so grateful because you got to remember, she had me at 18, 19 years old, so she had the wherewithal as a teenager, as a young adult, to be like, this child needs to talk to someone. The kicker is, the people that she had me talking to were quacks. And at a young age, they were trying to coax me to say things that weren't cohesive with my story, or trying to kind of push the treatment in a way that, would make it easier for them. And it really made me feel small and minimized as a child. And I'm so glad to my mom for helping me be emotionally um, intelligent and be able to verbalize. I was like, mom, no, like they make me feel sad. They make me feel bad, they're lying. And my mother recalls the conversation going something a little bit like after the second therapist, one was a black man who was really pressed on this trauma story that was not mine. And I was like, this is weird. And one was a white, older white woman. To this day, I just feel like she just hated little brown boys and girls. And she was doing it to get paid and she made me feel so terrible every session. And she spoke to me in the most harsh tone. Um, And I told my mom, like, I didn't like this. And the conversation kind of went like, well, what if there are other kids that feel like me? I don't wanna feel like this. I don't want other kids to feel like this. And from then it was a journey on how do I get in the middle so other people won't feel like this. And by seven years old, I realized that was a psychologist was what I wanted to be because that's how I can help people feel better and heal and be on a path to letting go of you know drug addiction and you know being able to open up about abuse and feel better and feel worthy this has been on my spirit and then at 11 i learned about abnormal psychology and clinical psychology from my history teacher who really connected with me and like i what 11 year old knows they want to be a psychologist and has their schools picked out what's wrong with you kid but he poured into me and i'm so appreciative and it's just I've never stopped from there. It's strictly been being a product of my urban environment.
0: Awesome. And I definitely can resonate, especially we born in the same year, same city. (laughs) So same traumas, Mm -hmm. Um, different size of town, but I definitely can resonate with all of that. But I was born to teen parents too, but they didn't have the wherewithal with all that. So it's just, amazing to hear that your mom had um, the intelligence to put you in therapy so early like I didn't find out about um, my depression and anxiety until I was 26 and I was in LA at the time and that's when my parents found out Mm. so like it's just really been a disconnect so I'm so grateful to your mom with that and that you started to follow your path and that's something a lot of people don't understand that you can find your path at a young age it's not something that you have to you know find at a later age there's no it's no right or wrong way to do things for Mm -hmm. sure so I wanted to ask you what is the common theme that you've seen through the pandemic
1: Uh, (laughs) it's been it's been a gumbo of the same things so to speak so one is imposter syndrome um very heavy people kind of feeling like they this the last year and a half of this penny proud panorama pan pizza pandemic has kind of like shook them and made them reanalyze everything they thought about themselves to be true um because whether that be loss of job or schools and schedules switching their tribe or their family shifting because they can't help them the way they needed to. They've been helping them before. So that's been a big one. Imposter syndrome. Lots of anxiety. Lots of depression. Lots of feeling trapped. Those are the big the big four that I've been seeing through the pandemic. And unfortunately, on a community level, of course, I've, we've been dealing with a lot of um, uh, violence domestic violence and child abuse because a lot of the protective factors are gone um so that's that's the gumbo that I've been dealing with every single day since March 10th 2020 I can tell you today
0: um I definitely I would say I agree especially from because I, I do coaching um, I do mindset work with other people. I help other women in business. So those common things come up for us too when I'm working with them and them pursuing asking for higher prices or, you know, going uh, for pitches and stuff like that. They're experiencing the same thing on the same yeah. level. So what are some practical ways that people can be more mindful, I guess, with those experiencing those things.
1: Mm. Mm, Come on, good question. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that, and I, and I, I think this applies to all of them, I tell my clients that you are a researcher, so use your evidence. So when we have times of imposter syndrome, anxiety, depression, or just feeling confused or hazy in a situation, you'll have feelings of self-doubt and you'll have these negative messages that play and tell you what can't be done. And you have to put your researcher hat on and go, "I -I, I have evidence that tells me otherwise. Because if you've dealt with imposter syndrome or anxiety or depression, even if this is your first full episode, you've had moments when you felt something like this or similar to it before. You've had moments where you dealt with tragedy, you dealt with heartbreak, you dealt with loss, rejection, and you're still here. And you were able to move through it. And it may not be the same, but you know the theme. You know what it feels like. And if you know what it feels like, you have the weapons to fight. Use the evidence to show you that I've been through this so I can navigate it. It may be a little bit harder for me, that I can navigate. You have the evidence to show you that you can recover because you did. You have the evidence to show you that you are worth it because you're here and you're pouring into yourself. You have the evidence to show you that you're confident and confident because you're going after those things. So put your researcher hat on in those periods where it feels really negative. You have the evidence. That's the best practical piece of advice I can give. you.
0: I love it. I love it. And I think it's hard, especially, I mean, I've definitely dealt with things like this. Now, I've, I, oh, I've said this before. I dealt with my own personal pandemic when I moved to LA. So I mm-hmm. lost my job. I lost two jobs. Um, And coming from DC, I experienced racism in LA. So I was like, I was just shell shocked about a lot of stuff so everything i feel like everybody is going through now mm-hmm. questioning i was doing that back in 2014 2015 and so i always suggest journaling um to help me through uh my process because i couldn't well then i didn't even know that, that i had anxiety or depression but um i couldn't afford a therapist after i did find out about it so it really helped me to do a lot of self-discovery and -hmm. just make a list of things that i'm great at and just reaffirming myself and learning to say affirmations even though people say oh it's so cliche it's like affirmations are so cliche but they really work because we don't realize how unconsciously um we are programmed to believe things like stuff comes up for me in therapy from my childhood that I don't even, it's just so pushed down. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. more you do the work, it starts to rise up to the surface. So Absolutely. we just have to continue to retrain ourselves. So I always, you know, suggest that. And that we just continue to pour ourselves be kind give yourself grace I think mm-hmm. we are the least grateful I mean graceful to ourselves we give extend grace to everybody but ourselves
1: absolutely. absolutely absolutely so
0: what do you want to debunk about mental health like what stigmas would
1: you like to debunk so um as me being a little black girl Um, Well, first, the big myth I work to debunk with people is that your dirty laundry is being aired for all to see when you go to therapy. This whole myth of what happens in the house stays in the house and that that's healthy. No, that's how generational curses continue. That's how we suppress the best parts of ourselves. That's how we continue to hurt, you know? therapy is not about airing your dirty laundry it's about cleaning it it's about rinsing all the things that kept you weighed down and kept you burdened and seeing yourself anew that's what therapy is And therapy also i think a lot of people think that therapy has to have is this polar Process where it has to be either really deep and sad all the time or very refreshing and skippy all the time. Neither is true. It's a complex, continuous process. I tell all my clients on the first day we meet, there will be days where you're like, yeah, she gets me. Oh my God, I love her. And there will be days when you're like, I'm not coming back, I'm not. Because that was hard and she really pushed me and that's what the process is supposed to be like. This is the safest place for you to get that emotional workout. And I'm pleased when you like me, but I also understand when you don't. And I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not your mama. I'm not your cousin. I'm not Sade and them up the street. I am here as a human tool that works with you collaboratively to get to what you need. And so don't expect that, that polar process And also, um, I think a big thing is that therapy means medication. Um, That's a big thing. People assume that you have to be on a psychotropic medication when you're in therapy. It's not true. There are some diagnoses or some level of symptomology that don't require you medication management. And there are some that absolutely need it. My biggest thing is, and to all your listeners, You can't take medication without going to therapy. You gotta do both. The medication is gonna help you with those symptoms, but the therapy is gonna help you with those behaviors and those thoughts. Medication doesn't work on on all of those points. So, but again, you may not need it. Um, Most people, if you work in a community setting or a hospital setting or a bigger agency, they will tell you to go to a, a psychiatrist for one psychiatric evaluation. And that's just to make sure medically we're not missing anything. It doesn't mean you're going to get a prescription and also you can get a second opinion if you feel like a medication isn't right for you or you're being pushed to something you can get a second opinion therapy doesn't mean medication but if you're getting medication management yes you should be in therapy.
0: awesome so uh, it's several things that you brought up <laughs> um during that so let's talk about one therapy doesn't equal medication and I am one person who has never been on medication and I don't judge anybody for doing it or don't doing it but personally for myself I didn't but what I did do is go the holistic route so some things that were triggering my anxiety is coffee um so I went to tea um I did start learning how to meditate I journal I work out um I have a therapist I have a safe home a home life that is safe um and that's very important that people don't understand your like for me my home is my oasis this is a place where I come to retreat from the world and so sometimes if your home is unsafe you can't you just continue to go down the cycles and cycles and cycles Mm -hmm. and so um I have a safe home so those are just some other ways that I personally can vouch for not being on medication and still being able to manage um having these um symptoms so yeah thank you for that (laughs) do you have anything else to add to
1: that yeah it's it's it and also like Uh, For instance, I have some clients and and also I'm always transparent because I've been dealing with my anxiety disorder since I was little. And I've been dealing, I didn't get formally diagnosed with my major depressive disorder, even though I knew until I was 30. So I understand that there are other things that I can do that I will use before I take my medications, like whether it be oh, okay, I'm really wound up. I need to do a lavender bath. I need to use my, I make my own essential oils and I give them to my friends and my family. Now they got me selling them because they have been (laughs) yelling. So I use those in baths. I do spiritual cleanses. I talk to myself. I have conversations with myself about what's going on. I have tribe members that I like, hey, you have the space? Yes, we do have the space. I talked to you about this. Um, walking, exercise. Just I have my two crazy kids that uh, sometimes that childlike energy helps me. It, it does something for me and it feeds my spirit and I'm able to kind of hold out. But on those days where it's really bad, yeah, I take my medication. And that caffeine piece is big for a pill, especially when people, especially people who have anxiety. They're like, I'm so wound up, I need some coffee. I'm like, no. It's <laughs> going to make it worse. You need yes. to take some caffeine because I love green tea. The green tea has caffeine in it. Yes. So I find myself kind of pulling back when I feel myself being wound up. Certain foods, certain sugary things like because that will be wound up and then we'll crash and we'll be talking terribly to ourselves because we think it's something else. No, it's our diet. Like, there are so many things that you can alter in order to, you know, get the relief before we take our medication or a while or in between or if we never take it and I said the word alter and it triggers something. Myth that I forgot to say. Religion and spirituality and therapy can exist in the same space.
0: Okay. I mean I always say that but you heard it from the doctor now. <laughs> hey, yeah, I heard it from the doctor. And I, I'm so glad that you brought up that point because I grew up super Baptist, okay, um, in DC. And I, a lot of work that I do in therapy. A lot of the traumas come from the church setting, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and just my idea of having to be perfect, because I seen when you weren't perfect, when women or young women were having children and they were teenagers, how badly they talked about them, how they shunned them, how they had them in the back row, how you knew all their business. Mm-hmm. And so from a young age, I knew how to put a mask on. And so it's taken me, I'm 33 now, going on 34, it's taken me this time to start taking off the mask and being more transparent and finding my voice um, and saying, you know what, forget it. Like, I'm. it's okay to be me. And honestly, when we did do the work, it, it started there. So sometimes um, I have to question, like I, my faith is not a, without a doubt. My relationship with God, boom, ace, boom, boom that's my, my homie but <laughs> i have to question certain settings and so i can just say like for me personally i do have a great church home here in atlanta now but i w- it took a while to get to the place where i was able to join another community again so thank you for bringing that point up <laughs>
1: no problem church hurt is a special type of hurt and especially for little black boys and girls um it's 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 deep because that's one of the true first heartbreaks that we have in our community and I too took a step back see I was raised Roman Catholic in the city Woo, child. so I wasn't allowed to think anything else if you let them tell it um, so, and I didn't, I walked away from Catholicism at 15 years old as a result of hearing a very hateful sermon. And I was like, nope, um, God wouldn't want me to consume that. So I walked away from it. And it took me years into my twenties, about eight years ago, because my child is eight, for me to find a church home that I felt was good for me. And now I, I have a great pastor who accepts me for who I am and loves to call on me when you can't pray stuff away. She's like, nah, you need to talk to God. You know, you know. I know what you're going through, but this is the person that you need to speak to, or if she can't help you, she going to put you in the right direction. Like we're in a different, I, I love the young church. Um, we're in a different space where we understand that the sins, let's be cliche, the sins of our fathers and our mothers, like we don't have to continue to play with those we've learned so much about ourselves i pray with my clients in therapy if they ask me to we talk about ancestors we talk about our religion our spirituality if that's what you need i'm going to meet you there because i don't want that hurt that you felt there to translate here either Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely i love that um I, i love everything about that because i think that's the misunderstanding we all have when it comes to therapy they don't think i mean some people don't think therapy and god can it coexist in the same place and I don't even think I would be the person I am now. I wouldn't have this podcast if I didn't um and I'm so glad that we are the aunties now. And so we are able to change things and and see things. I think I love I always say I love being um this middle. I guess we're like the middle millennials. I love being the middle part of the millennials because we're open to learn from Gen Z and but we do have the foundation of you know the ones before us and so I just think it's a great balance Mm -hmm. I think we're great communicators and we question things now and I think before it was like you just go with the flow put your head down work your good job don't ruffle no feathers don't Mm -hmm. talk back and it was just all these don't 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 but I had always been the person who asked questions. Okay, but why? But why? But why? Okay. So, um, I got only a few more questions. So, (laughs) okay. I don't want to take you away from mommy mode. Okay. So, how can we be more helpful to each other during this time?
1: These are good questions, (laughs) guys. Um, one of the things that I um have been telling to my clients, my friends, my family members is the accepting the fact that all of us have gone through something um, transformative during this last year and a half, whether it's been through tragedy or whether it's been through triumph. Because let's be real, there are some people during this pandemic who have done nothing but win you know it's been some grinding with it but they've seen more wins than they've seen losses and then you you know and that's fine um you can stand in that space don't be ashamed of that space because other people lost we we need you to be our light to be that's the light at the end of the tunnel like ah something something good is still there so holding the space of understanding that everybody's gone through a transformative period you're not alone in that. and doing check-ins that are intentional and genuine, because there's nothing like getting a text message, just like you, like we were in Clubhouse. You good? What do you need? Um, and I have conversations with my friends intentional. Like when something is going on, I say, Do you need to vent? Do you need um, suggestions, or do you want do you want feedback and suggestions, or do you want to reflect with me? and giving people the space to get things out because everybody's going through something in the panini press. And also just having a moment of saying, being open to help each other more and understanding that help isn't tit for tat. Help is something that helps us grow on both ends. Me helping you helps me feel joy, helps me feel relief, helps me watch you walk into your own and you getting that help aid you in getting what you need to feel more confident more confident, more, more competent more resilient and, and just better and if we just check in with each other and pour into each other more and with intention, stuff is still going to happen but we can get through it a lot easier
0: Absolutely. And then I would just say to being transparent, I think the moment we are transparent, I feel like a lot of like, especially my close circle have been more open to going to therapy or just more open to asking for help and all of these different things, because I've kind of led the charge with saying, you know what? sis ain't got it together yeah I look cute on the grammar. yes I am I did experience a lot of wins but I said I went through my personal pandemic years before this so okay. I was going through it while everybody else was winning so like you said I was kind of set up to help during this time and, and know my position and my place during this time so definitely I appreciate that one last question um, is what are some books or podcasts Hint, hint, podcast that you can recommend <laughs> to help us get started on this journey.
1: Who? So many fakes. So <laughs> okay, so I'll start with podcasts. I'm going to do the opposite of what you think I'm going to do. I'm not going to close mine first. I'm gonna play. No, blo <laughs> <out> down first <laughs> all right okay okay so my podcast is called vividly speaking with dr vivid because that's me that's who I am gods me mm-hmm. <laughs> and on my podcast I talk about things mental health and wellness I give people a chance to um, give uh submit questions for q a and we have mindfulness and meditative moments at the end of every single episode, so you can learn how to, you know, align yourself, be calm, relax, and focus on what's what's going on with your body. Learning how to breathe properly. I also give, um, I have a segment called DIY, Do It Yourself, where it's um, I talk about different coping skills and strategies that you can use in the meantime in between time between therapy or until you find that therapeutic fit that you need. I also laugh. I also share like music that feeds my soul or I think this last this week's episode I was sharing some of the tracks I like to cry to that elicit the good cry um and the things that make me smile and laugh so that's me vividly speaking with Dr. Vivid available on all of your favorite podcast platforms I gotta plug my homie Um, He is a social worker. He is a good, good friend of mine. He he is um, Mr. Gary Taylor, a.k.a. Trey. He has a podcast called Everybody Relax. And he, he is dope. He's a black man that is the epitome of representation. Like, on his podcast, of course, he talks about mental health and wellness. But he's also talking to you about his love of cars, his love of sneakers, his love of his family, and how he makes his work-life balance do what it does. And um, He has this really cool segment that he's doing now called More Than My Credentials, where he interviews people and basically you talk about, yeah, this is the title that you have, but what are you behind that and what do you want people to connect with? So that, therapy for black girls, please. They're awesome. That's I, how I, I found hope.
0: my therapist, actually. See?
1: that Therapy for Black Girls is great. They give you great resources for therapists. And they just drop great gems. Those those are my um, my good therapeutic podcasts. Um, right now, as far as books are related, you know what? Uh, it's going to be funny. I've been reading a lot of books about spiritual aspects, um, about African spirituality. So let me look oh let me grab a book come on let me grab a book because everybody's so really into their spiritualism right now and this has been something that my mother's been drilling into my head um orisha's goddesses of ruby queens people are gonna be like whoa what do you mean no this book talks about the divine feminine and how it is expressed in various african religions and traditions and it just really helped me understand um, certain the power of being a little Black girl and how different cultures, and especially in African cultures and traditions, how we need to, I think in the clubhouse when somebody said something about taking our power back, and I was like, yeah, we need to understand how powerful you are. And sometimes you have to understand how folklore traditions and stories and narratives have been passed down they're based on something so if you ever have a moment where you're feeling lost in yourself and your power Lilith Dorsey will remind you that with that um, and what else oh I have a book called In My Safe Space <laughs> um, it's a, a bunch of collective writings that I, I used from the time I was 19 until I was 30 that, and it's my poems reflect the writings and narratives and about how, and it, you see how I process different things in my life depression, loss, grief, heartbreak, um, freedom. And I use that as my first foray into debunking this myth that mental health is very all clinical and sterile. Because my idea for myself being, you know, a mental health influencer somebody told me that's what I was the other day um, is being approachable, being attainable, and being relatable. So those are the things. That's those are my my uh, podcasting books. <laughs> Thank you. So
0: when you said you know you had people ask questions, I forgot I did put a a post up and I asked people if they had questions for you. So just a few more. I'm and then we I'm, I'm go. good on time. Okay, let's go. Hey, okay, let's go. <laughs> so I have a question here. It says I know my child needs therapy, but she refuses to speak to anyone. What can I do to help her?
1: Mm. So, one it will—I would say—it's going to depend on the age of the child. You have to be developmentally appropriate. But having a conversation with that with the baby, and I say baby because I call kids babies, and I call my therapy clients babies as well in my head. Mm-hmm. So having a conversation with the baby about what they really need, or what they feel would make it better, or what the tone of the conversations are and how they would need it to change for them to be able to open up a little bit more. And also showing them that therapy isn't just talking to someone, there's play therapy, there's art therapy, music therapy, dance therapy, and kind of doing the research with them and letting them know, you can pick your therapist, Yes, adults. Let your kids pick <laughs> their therapist. Like, let them vibe with the person. Let them look at a directory. Let them look at a picture and see, no. W- okay, how would you want this uh, conversation to go? Do you want somebody that's like the same age as mommy, that's younger, that's older? Do you want somebody who looks like you? You know, what's easier? And also there's group therapy options. So they can be able to interact with their peers and see that there's other kids like me that are able to express themselves maybe the way I do or maybe in a different way. And that could be a very supportive factor. Also, if they're in school um, and you're concerned, most schools have a counselor or psychologist there and having a meeting and just saying, hey, we want to try something out because I've been noticing whatever you've been noticing. And can we start here so we can either continue it or get some recommendations, but letting the child call the shots as far as what themes they want to discuss, what mood states they've been struggling with, and how they feel like they best can express themselves. Okay.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. So another one, this one might be (laughs) a wild one. How to recover from dating a narcissist, verbal and mental abuse.
1: First of all, why y'all in my notes? Because that's one of the things I'm working on. Um, (laughs) See, that's a sign right there. You ain't know
0: I got the juice, honey.
1: (laughs) Woo, child. So first step is understanding that nothing that you've done created the situation that you were in. People make decisions to behave they want the way they behave, not based on who you are, not based on what you did to them. But based on them choosing to act that way, based on them saying, I decide to treat this person this way, behave this way, speak to this person in this manner. Um, That's step one. Step two is a process of unlearning. Unlearning all the, sometimes when in narcissistic relationships, you'll have moments where You're like, oh, you realize that I don't like this song. I don't like this food. I don't like this place. I don't like this color on me. I don't like this outfit. You're unlearning everything that this person projected on you. Take some time to learn what it means to date yourself and fall in love with yourself. Make a list of the things that you really wanted to do. You really wanted to see yourself pursue or see yourself in and start attacking that thing like a bucket list. It's giving yourself a sort of like escape, a freedom from the clutches of someone who did not deserve you. And you now you're putting yourself in your own hands and it takes time It, it and, and forgiving yourself and giving yourself grace and patience to understand It's going to take time to do this unlearning process, to do this dating process. It's going to be some times where you also may feel like, oh, I still care about this person or I may still love this person or I'm concerned about this person. That's because you have an empathic heart. And it's not because you need to be back with that person. It's because you're a good person who wishes well for someone else who doesn't wish well for you. And understanding that that soul tie is to be, disconnected and destroyed, but you going to need some work to cut it off because that person will do whatever they can to stay connected to you. So baby, if that means you need to change a number, if that means if you have their number memorized, you need to practice putting other people's numbers in their place as a contact. <laughs> if you need to take your best friend's number, put it in under their contact profile. So at any time you feel a moment of, oh, uh, maybe I should, you end up calling your best friend or dang it, you, feel you end up calling Domino's or Pizza Hut or Chipotle, you did it. And it's a snap to be like, I shouldn't have been there. I need to do something that benefits me, whether it be buying that meal and that snack or whether it be talking to your homegirl, And just understanding that the damage that was done can be repaired. You are not broken. You are not beyond the mend. And you are someone who deserves way more than what they ever could have given you give yourself time to heal and definitely connect with the therapist to help you through that healing process
0: awesome thank you for that so the next one says what would you recommend for someone who is highly functioning anxiety
1: Mm. hello that's me
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> they all in your business. Huh?
1: <laughs> Hello, how are you? My name's Ashley. I'm a Sagittarius. Um so uh being honest with yourself. That's the biggest thing. The thing about high functioning anxiety is most people don't, most people around you unless they're really close to you, they don't know. So being honest about what your limitations are. Um just had a session about this before we jumped on. Um, And having moments where you check in with yourself and acknowledging what your triggers are. That's the big thing. Giving yourself time to say, this is triggering me. Um, I was telling my client uh, before I jumped on with you that I had a moment the other day where my brain normally shoots a million thoughts at a time because that's just the way my brain works. But with anxiety, some of the thoughts get louder and some of the thoughts can be negative or just like really ridiculous. So I went outside in my backyard and I stood on the steps and I just was like, I said, my neighbors probably think like, she's wild. I just yelled, I know I'm anxious really, really loud. So, I could hear myself surrendering to the moment instead of trying to push myself to get to like ignore it. The thing about high functioning, anybody who's high functioning, whether it be anxiety or depression or psychosis, the more you fight it, the stronger your symptoms become. So, don't ignore it. Embrace the moment, surrender yourself to what you're feeling. You know whatever coping strategies you need to employ, employ whatever therapy you need to employ, employ, and give yourself a space. Um, uh, at the end of each of my days, I take mommy breaks where I sit outside. My kids know don't come outside. They're playing or they're in the tub or whatever it is safely. Where people say, "Oh, mm-hmm. she never her kids in the tub." Mm-hmm. No, I can mm-hmm. see them mm-hmm. from the steps. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I have moments where I just sit and reflect and I breathe and I acknowledge how the wind feels against my skin. If it's raining, I acknowledge how the rain feels on my feet. I acknowledge how it feels to take a deep breath after whatever type of day I had. And then when the kids are sleeping, I go to the shower. I take a shower and I play a podcast and I say nothing, which is hard for me because I like to talk. I say nothing. And I repeat to myself in my head, it's okay to exist without interacting. And just surrendering to moments where you can just exist in a space and no one wants nothing from you. Practice that for like 15 minutes a day and be real and you say transparent, be aware of the things in your uh, realm and in your environment, in your schedule, that you can shift. Because sometimes with high-functional anxiety, we, we try to put a lot of things on our plate to keep us busy so we won't focus, about, focus on what we're thinking of. No, sis, no, bro. Sometimes we have to shift that stuff off of our plate to give ourselves grace because we're more susceptible to burnout because of the way our brain works. So remember to shift things. Remember to give yourself grace. Remember to use your coping strategies. Give yourself reflective moments. And above all else, um you can always slow a thought down by countering with and okay so what's gonna happen next
0: (laughs) I I was going to say too um someone suggested to me years ago like kind of bringing anxiety and depression outside of yourself like talking to it like out like you bringing it outside like hey depression Sit your ass down, cause we ain't got time for you today. Like, you know, just stuff yeah. like that. Just kind of thinking it outside of yourself as opposed to letting it just seep in you and kind of control you. And that's Absolutely. always been half helpful to me to just kind of look at it outside of myself, um, Absolutely. as opposed to taking it on.
1: Absolutely. Depression, I always um I always personify them. Depression is your abusive partner and anxiety is your frenemy depression will you know and it's important to personify sometimes and have those conversations with it mm-hmm. and be like, no, you're not gonna tell me I can't go outside you're not gonna tell me that I can't shower okay I'm not a bad mom if I need to get some more sleep because I need this you're not gonna take control of it I'm gonna I'm gonna come out of this and with the friend of me part because that's how anxiety works and this is how it, the friend of me it was like yeah girl. You knocked that to-do list out. But did you know you still got three bills due? Have you checked this? I think such and such is still mad at you by that conversation. And then you're just like, girl, if you you with me or you against me, like, we are gonna take a break? They'll live. We'll all live. I'll come back to it later. That's a conversation you have to have with it when you personify those things. I'm glad you brought that up because that's not what I do. love
0: that. So you need to definitely make a reel of that because I love <laughs> that was the perfect way to break it down. I love the TikToks when the, um they're like, hey, yo, we sad today. Like, what? We just <laughs> chilling. Like, what do you mean? Like no that's not that's not how we doing it but I mean that's how it definitely creeps up on you the next question is I'm a fairly new mom how can I find balance when my kid cries every time I walk away from her
1: I love it shout out to the new mommies. shout out to pandemic mommies because it looks a lot different it looks a lot different so one of the things that um my mom shared with me and some of the other moms in my circle shared with me when I had my first child was, first of all, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So you being frustrated or you being irritated by your child is completely natural. And if any parent on this God green earth tells you that they've never been frustrated or overwhelmed by their child, look at them and say, liar, you're lying. Because we all go there. Remember to give yourself patience because you've never been through this before. If you're a new mom, that means you're learning the cues that your child is trying to give you. And also, when it gets to a point of the crying and putting them down, my mother told me this, and some other moms in my clinical group told me this. Because I actually was pregnant with my daughter when I was finishing um, my doctoral program. I do not recommend. It was ridiculous. (laughs) So ghetto. Um, Don't recommend. No. Sorry. Um. she had an issue with that um, acid reflux and a heart issue that would cause her a lot of pain when she had gas and she would shrill. And sometimes there was stuff I could do with it and sometimes it was not. So my mother said, put her down on the floor, make a pallet, put her down on the floor. She couldn't crawl. She couldn't roll. And I put things around her and I just watched her from where she was. And I stepped to another side of the room and just allowed her to cry. And I cried. And she cried and after a while she stopped I, i'm not gonna qualify how long that while was because i was so busy crying and talking to myself and just like but sometimes we have to allow ourselves those moments as new moms as new dads this sometimes kids cry and that's the language barrier i don't know what you want from me and all, it all feels like a personal attack like i'm doing something wrong but they just don't know how to communicate their needs so it's okay so it's perfectly safe the floor is not a cliff it's perfectly safe to put something nice and calm and soft down put of course from anything that can harm them Sit that baby there and let that baby cry and then we come back after you got yourself together you know take a few minutes breathe do what you need to do cry Plus, if you need to, if you need to make a phone call while you can't see them and then come, but come back to them and show them that you're still attentive. Because that's the thing about attachment, showing them, OK, I'm going to check your butt. I'm going to try to feed you. I'm going to give you something. OK, none of those things work. I'm going to try something else. and But take breaks, you know, they'll see. oh, she's trying. She's trying to figure out what I need. So give yourself grace go through the whole list. Are you wet? Are you hungry? Do you need this? Are you on a bath? Are you sleepy? Go through it, but breathe through it and keep reminding yourself that I'm not supposed to be perfect. I'm just supposed to do my best. I love it. Debunking perfection. It's not real. It's not real. real.
0: (laughs) Definitely. And this is the last one, I promise. It is, how do I know which therapy to do? I thought this one was really important to do.
1: Ooh, yes. That's a good one. A really good good one. (laughs) It really depends on what your personality style is and um, the level of, I'm going to say your personal experiences. So in that, you have different... Therapy um, types as far as orientations go, and theoretical orientations like cognitive behavioral therapy, psychodynamic therapy, um, a, a DBT, um, humanistic existential. The list goes on and on. I would say you can, if you want to, you can definitely uh, research and, and see what the the tenets are. Like, what are the main themes? and see if those things appeal to you and then as far as the, the art forms like narrative therapy that involves literally your therapist helping you collaborate to construct your story and that can be through writing that can be through recording um trauma-focused cbt that's a good one for people who have experienced trauma there's um um there's mdr um there's so many things that i start with what you're working on and you can this is one way to google um you can say therapy effective for or best therapeutic uh treatment that is effective for because that's the key word, effective and you can kind of look it'll give you a list of some of those things and you kind of read about it then this is the other piece, because just because that, let's say you like CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, that revolves around um, structuring your thoughts and your behaviors, literally. You may say that I wanna do that, but guess what? Maybe the therapist that says they practice that, their style of doing it may not be something that connects to you. I say treat therapy um, and the finding ther- a therapeutic style, Like you're dating, you know, go on a date, do your research as a date, making a consult consultations. Most of our consultations are free. Ask, see the different styles, look at a therapist. If you look for therapists therapist or psychology today or therapy for black girls, whatever the listing is, look after you've done your research or say "Mm, this person appeals to me, ask them about the style and their approach. And kind of feel your way around and do your dating thing. I love when clients tell me, Well, I want to do this consultation, but I'm still gonna ask around. Yes, please ask around. I may not be for you. I may, I may not be your cup of tea. I may be sisters tequila, and that's fine. I like that for you. But and be open to asking as many questions as you need while you have that therapist from that specific um orientation or that uses those specific treatment styles ask as many questions as you can during that consultation and that'll help you kind of figure it out
0: yeah definitely and i would say just from the other side perspective um when you're looking up therapists look to see what they specialize into Mm -hmm. because uh, uh, you know they have people for queer people they have black therapists that specialize in trauma Mm -hmm. so just um Thinking about what you want to work on and then seeing if that therapist specializes in that area. So one thing I can say as a transparent moment, I was doing talk talk therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, but we're moving to an EMDR mm-hmm. therapy. So thank God my therapist is trained, so I get to stick with her, but we're moving out of the talk therapy aspect of it. So you can grow with your therapist as well, so don't feel like you have to kind of stay in one situation and I'm so glad that she saw my evolution and has offered something else for me so we can kind of to
1: help me evolve
0: absolutely
1: like <laughs> always that's the sign of a good rapport then you know she understands what uh, you uh, need and you trust her to take you where you need to go listen
0: that's my homie when I tell you if I have to, I have to remind myself this is a professional relationship <laughs> and that's not my home girl because I'm like girl let me tell you later. like like so I have to remind myself, but she is amazing and I always give her credit and her flowers. So yes, I love my Black therapist and know y'all can't have her. So I'm not saying who she is. So find your own in Atlanta. But um, thank you so much for joining us. Please, 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 this is your time to shine. Shout out all the places people can reach you. I did see that you have merch and I will be purchasing after our call because oh, I just, I like to invest too and people um not just saying okay here come on my platform i'm all (laughs) about supporting um so please shout out how they can support you
1: Ooh, okay. I, this is, I know it always feels awkward doing this part, but you know, self-promotion, is the promotion. You got to do it out here. Oh, I'll so do you, it for you. <laughs> if you're trying to reach me about any of the services that I provide, um, therapeutic or lifestyle, lifestyle and wellness services, my website and my merch and my books are located on drvivid.com and doctor is spelled out. So it's D-O-C-T-O-R-V-I-V-I-D on my social media platforms on instagram dr vivid twitter dr vivid TikTok aha glitter and genetics but also dr vivid um because that's what i'm made of glitter and genetics baby that's how we work um i also have um my i have a children's feelings workbook called my feelings matter that is a collaborative effort between me my eight-year-old and my two-year-old um it helps kids understand the basis for emotional intelligence and emotional vocabulary very easy very um introduction um that's on amazon my merch is clinically dope by dr vivid you can find that if you go on any of my social media um platforms that i'm on it's in my link tree and also of course it's on my website um what else am i doing um every sunday on tiktok i do um at 8 p.m eastern time i do a session called Coach chat with dr vivid where I just allow the TikTok universe to come and ask questions and get clarity about all things mental health awareness. Just be respectful. Don't do sexism. Don't do racism. Don't do genderism. Don't do any of those things. You can come if you're safe in this place. Um, vividly Speaking with Dr. Vivid. That's my newest baby, my podcast. And I have some other things I want to tell you so bad, but I got I to gotta, Keep finishing them. But that's that's where I am well, right come now. Back. Come back. <laughs> come back. Come on, come on back, and you'll be a part
0: of the family. Um, so thank you again so much for just sharing your insight and your wisdom and you know being co-signing me because I do be knowing what I'm talking about, even though I ain't a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you do, Andy. <laughs> Period. Okay. <laughs> So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you go and support Dr. Vivian all that she is doing. And until next time, remember to trust your gut. Don't overthink it and do it fucking scared. Bye. All right. Okay, outro. I like that.
1: Do it fucking scared. Yes.
0: like this podcast make sure to share it with your friends rate and review on iTunes and follow me on social media at Marquita in your business and at I am Marquita G. See you guys soon bye. See you guys. Bye.